2: You're about to find out everything you need to know to start your day. It's the WISN Morning Briefing.
3: It is 5:05. This is the WISN Morning Briefing sponsored by Team Hoffman Remax. It is Monday, September the 18th. We've got mostly clear skies, few clouds out there, a little hazy. 56 degrees. Good morning. I'm Ken Herrera and topping the news. Governor Walker will be in Racine today to sign the bill that provides up to $3 billion in incentives to electronics giant Foxconn to open a plant here in Wisconsin. The bill was approved by the Assembly and the Senate last week on votes that were primarily along party lines. Most Democrats voting no, most Republicans voting yes. Senator Alberta Darling had a stern message for those who oppose the package.
4: For as many people who are coming to you and say don't do it, you're going to hear more people say. Why in the heck did you mess this opportunity up for us?
3: It's believed the plant will be built in Racine County. It could employ up to 13,000 people. Governor Walker reportedly offered some Republican lawmakers a deal to get the state budget passed. Last Friday, Fox 6's Theo Keith reports that the governor agreed to veto nine items in the budget in order to get the votes that he needed to pass the bill.
5: bill. Wisconsin edged out Connecticut to avoid being the last state in the country that hadn't passed a budget yet. Governor Scott Walker says he'll veto several controversial parts of it, which he promised in order to get three Republican senators to vote for the deal. Governor Scott Walker returns from a trade trip to South Korea and Japan with a state budget awaiting his signature. While overseas, Walker agreed to make nine vetoes, ending the holdout from a group of Republican senators.
6: But we were able to adjust some of the wording to make adjustments to move it the direction we felt it needed to go.
5: Walker's vetoes will immediately repeal the state's prevailing wage law, which sets a minimum wage for work on state construction projects, dramatically limit the dates that school districts can go to referendum. and DISTRICTS FROM GETTING TAXPAYER-BACKED STATE LOANS FOR ENERGY PROJECTS AS THE WEST ALLIS-WEST MILWAUKEE SCHOOL DISTRICT DID THIS YEAR AFTER VOTERS REJECTED AN OPERATING REFERENDUM. THE STATE WOULD ALSO NO LONGER SEEK FEDERAL PERMISSION TO HAVE TOLL ROADS. THE VETO PROMISES ALLOWED THE BUDGET TO PASS THE SENATE, THOUGH ONE REPUBLICAN AND EVERY DEMOCRAT VOTED NO.
4: YOUR BUDGET, WALKER AND THE REPUBLICAN PARTY'S BUDGET FAILS.
5: Walker will be signing it into law nearly three months late. Lawmakers had been fighting over spending on road projects. Under their deal, people who drive hybrids or electric cars will pay a new fee. The budget delays two Milwaukee freeway projects and makes cuts to state highways, despite a warning from the former head of the DOT that the number of highways in poor condition would double over the next decade without more cash.
4: Does it solve the long-term sustainability of the system? It does not. So on that point, I will grant it to the Democrats and admit that we
6: were not successful.
5: With their deal, lawmakers avoided the worst of the consequences that would have set in sometime in October when state aid is due to school districts. Walker says he'll sign the budget soon, but hasn't yet said when or where. In the newsroom, Theo Keith, Fox 16.
3: Investigators in Madison say a woman whose body was found inside a house explosion was murdered before the house was blown up. The Dane County Medical Examiner identified the woman as 50-year-old Ann Pyrus Her husband, 59-year-old Stephen Pyrus, has been arrested in the case. Police say it appears the victim was killed months ago. The house explosion last Wednesday was an effort to cover up that murder.
6: By doing something so reckless as he did, he not only attempted to cover up a deliberate, intentional homicide, but he also obviously put innocent third parties at risk.
3: Stephen Pyrus faces charges of first-degree intentional homicide, arson, and recklessly endangering safety. A suspect remains at large after an armed robbery in Brookfield. The robbery led to a lockdown at surrounding businesses. Fox 6's Derricka Williams with that story.
4: As customers come in and out of Aldi Sunday morning, my wife's in there shopping. Some shoppers now go about their daily routine with a new sense of caution. You just have to be aware of all your surroundings. Just hours earlier, a masked suspect terrorized people inside. I, mean, I feel sad for, for everybody. A man armed with a gun was directing employees as he robbed the grocery store of money. Two employees were able to escape on their own, but a third victim, a customer, hid inside until officers were able to get her to safety. Meanwhile, the town of Brookfield Police, along with eight other agencies, responded. At first it was a little shocking. Nearby businesses were placed on lockdown for hours during the search for the suspect.
3: They just
6: kind of told us that um, it wasn't safe. Um, Outside the police officer actually came to the door and told the manager at Best Buy not to let anybody leave because they weren't actually fully, like, they didn't have it fully
4: secure. So they told us that we just had to wait in there until they made sure that everything was okay. Thankful community members were kept safe. I think the response was great. But discouraged that the crook who was wearing a baseball hat, bandana covering his face, black hooded sweatshirt over a white t-shirt and dark pants while carrying a black backpack was never caught. I think that's unreal that he's able to get away. The hunt for the suspect continues and police believe the incident that happened here may be connected to other area Aldi store robberies. If you have any information that can help with the investigation, you're asked to call the town of Brookfield Police. Reporting in Brookfield, Derrick Williams Fox. And one
3: of the largest fundraisers for Alzheimer's research was held in Milwaukee Sunday. Box 6's Evan Peterson has that story. Let's
0: get ready to start
3: this walk. Are you ready? At the annual walk to end Alzheimer's,
6: thousands of people gather. But why, or for whom, do they walk?
4: I walk for my grandfather, my abuelito, who lost his voice due to Alzheimer's.
7: I'm walking for my mother, Consuelo Cortez. She passed away February 5th this year. Mommy, we never forget forgive how much we love you.
6: On Sunday morning, thousands of people did just that. Walked to help raise awareness and funds for Alzheimer's and finding a cure for this deadly disease.
7: Fortunately, September 8, 2016, she lost the battle to the Alzheimer's. She passed away but now we honor my mom.
6: Alex along with his family walk for the memory of their mother.
7: No, she is my mother even if she don't recognize me I know she is my mother and I love her.
6: The event acts as a time to heal talk and remember those who have fought or are fighting Alzheimer's. And the raising of the flowers is one of the more memorable moments.
1: The Promise Garden is a way for everyone to express their um, their connection to the disease.
6: This is the newest addition to the Promise garden. It's the white flower and it's meant to stand for the first person to ever defeat Alzheimer's. Right now there hasn't been one yet for the hoping the next person to grab this one will be the first person. As the walk exits out of the Summerfest crowns and onto the lake, Alex and his team walk smiling with their heads held high.
7: She never died because she's in my heart, she's in my soul, she's in my brain, she's in my bones. I am here, I am alive for her.
6: In Milwaukee, Evan Peterson, Fox 6 News.
3: And checking the Bryant Heating and Cooling Sports Scoreboard, the Packers fall to the Falcons 34-23. The weekend went to total loss, though. The Brewers did top the Marlins Sunday 10-3, the final there. Coming up on 513, it's still to come on the WISN Morning Briefing. A Washington Times editor joins those who say Republicans have only themselves to blame for President Trump's recent deals with Democrats. And then the oil industry in this country in the middle of a major boom. We'll tell you all about it next.
2: The perfect blend of information and opinion. This is the WISN Morning Briefing. And your Morning Briefing continues now at 518 with
3: news, comments on that news. Tongues are still wagging over President Trump's two deals with leading Democrats in Washington. Deals he made after the Republican-controlled Congress failed him. Charlie Hurd is the Washington Times opinion editor. He told Fox's Lou Dobbs that Republicans have only themselves to blame for essentially forcing the president to look to the Democrats to advance his agenda because Republicans have been unable to.
8: Let's turn to the Dems and the president coming up with these... Late dinner session uh, uh, mind melds, apparently of, of some sort. Uh, but with with Chuck Schumer coming out of the White House to announce a grand uh, the grand bargain of all time, and people running with it uh, before the White House could even react, uh, it is your reaction to it all. Well, you know, anybody that finds any of
9: this surprising obviously has not been paying attention to the first part of this administration or for the campaign over the past two years. This is exactly the way Donald Trump operates, and he has worked uh, tirelessly, although hopelessly, with Republicans to get things done uh, with them. Uh, and, and, and not only get things done that he had promised for the, in his campaign, but all of them right. had promised in their campaigns. And so the idea that he's turning around now negotiating with the Democrats, it's a smart it's a smart move. It's not you know, as a conservative, it's not what I you know, I don't I would rather him figure out a way to, to, to strike a deal with Republicans because that would be a more conservative deal. But I mean I don't you can't blame the guy for doing this.
8: Uh, in in the and the social media firestorm that did follow. Uh, It is also difficult to uh, understand why the president, who ended DACA once, because, of course, it belongs in Congress as a matter of constitutional uh, parameter, and yet he wants to be involved in it again in bargaining, discussing, negotiating, agreeing, whatever he did uh, uh, with uh, Schumer and Pelosi. I, I mean, it's just, it's very odd to many people that he would then sort of reinject himself into DACA.
9: Yeah, uh, but I think that he views that as being something of a bargaining chip, and yeah. as he does the wall, and if he can sort of, uh, you know, hey, look, the guy's not a partisan guy, he's not a conservative, he's certainly not a liberal, but he's a practical guy, well, he's a pragmatic he does say guy. A, and I think Charlie, that, he does
8: say he is conservative. That he is a conservative.
9: yeah, I, but but he's not conservative in the in the sort of Washington sense, which I don't think is a, a, in clearly the hasn't Ryan been very sense? successful.
8: He's not in the yeah, Paul Ryan I mean, sense at all.
9: And 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 you know he made this deal with the, the Democrats on on the debt ceiling that they call it around here. Right. We've had that debt ceiling around here for for what 25 years. And mm-hmm. do you know how much the debt has gone up since they put the debt ceiling on? It's gone up. And did you listen to the morons fold.
8: try to defend the debt ceiling? Oh, no, we can't. <laughs> ins- we can't it- lose the debt ceiling. What yeah, would we have yeah, to shut the insane. government down? Uh, and, and would we really have to pay our bills? You know, th- this is just these are some of the most confused, conflicted people we could ever put in elected office, uh, the leadership in the House and Senate. And I think that that's
9: exactly why voters sent somebody like Donald Trump is because, you know, he may he not he probably did. He may not have even known what a debt ceiling was before he got here. But at least he's going to do something different because we know what the outcome is going to right. be with these people. After yeah. 25 years of the debt ceiling, it's gone up, what, 16 trillion dollars or 15 trillion dollars. And yeah. people just want something to change.
8: Yeah, something and to change. Is. And they do want they do want the damn wall built. Let's leave that. uh, The base wants that wall done. It's not symbolic. And they don't like amnesty. And, yeah, don't even, I won't even say that word. I don't want (laughs) to, I'm touching that word. Charlie Hurt, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
3: One industry that's already picking up steam under the Trump administration is the oil industry. And while it's true President Trump's policies have certainly helped fuel the boom, modern technology has really been a huge contributor.
1: Well investors are buying and Carlisle is waiting. The private equity giant currently sitting on 54 billion dollars in cash. Some good dry powder there. Where is the firm looking to uh, invest that? Carlisle Group President and COO Glenn Youngkin is with us this weekend and Glenn uh, that's a big number in terms of sitting on cash. Now you've got 170 billion of AUM but 54 billion in dry powder. What are your plans?
2: Well to put the fifty four into context first, it is in an absolute basis a lot of money, yeah um, we invest seventeen or eighteen billion dollars a year in new investments um, and we manage funds that give us up to five years to invest the capital so we really have two two two-and-a-half years worth of capital to invest and that's pretty standard for us in fact we're out raising new money for funds in areas of the world where we've actually invested a majority of the capital that's available to them so the great thing about the world today is that they recognize the value of private equity um, and they continue to entrust us with um, from this person's humble beginnings a lot of money uh, and we really do appreciate
1: it. it's terrific congratulations I was going to ask you about that the new fundraising uh, effort started last August. 100 billion dollars. Where are yeah. you finding opportunities? Go through some of the sectors yeah, sure. and ideas out there sure. where you want to be putting that cap up. Yeah
2: So, so, Maria, let me let me break it down into three buckets for us. First. The economies around the world are growing uh, in in a synchronized way for the first time in 10 years, Um, but they're not overheating. And and what that means is that finding areas where there's good wind in the sails from a revenue growth standpoint is important. Um, And so we do find those areas in healthcare around the world and a number of technology enabled businesses, particularly in the financial sector uh, around the world. Some particular countries uh, are growing a bit faster than others, like China. We think China really is growing at 6% now. Um, And so there are spots where we do think there's really good wind in the sails. Second of all, in corporate america today there is the inevitable reality that big companies have divisions that they don't love quite as much as others and so they concentrate their efforts on their favorite assets and that gives us the chance to come in and do corporate carve-outs and one of the real benefits of being private capital is we can go into these companies Um, a great example is a subsidiary of dupont that we bought a few years ago It was called dupont specialty coatings and now it's called exalta and it's listed on the stock exchange And it just wasn't a high priority for DuPont. But for us, it was a high priority. Private ownership enabled us to invest in R&D, invest in facility expansion, and all of a sudden change the profile of that business and turn it into a growth company. So in in the private setting, we can actually do these corporate carve-outs in a really interesting way. And then the third opportunity for us are in businesses that really haven't um, fully participated in this economic revival, and the primary example is the energy industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the one place in the overall e- uh, global economy where we actually see Asset prices that have declined over the last few years and that we think that creates opportunities particularly in the United States today
1: when I look at the energy space today I'm thinking there's a lot of supply I'm thinking the US is going to start tapping into new areas yeah. the president this is one of his areas of growth energy if we have more supply in the US and if the US really does become a major producer for the world you know this is a global market wouldn't that send oil prices lower? Wouldn't that send valuations lower? And you guys have been so invested all in on energy for a long time.
2: Yeah, we have. We have. Well, we were actually pretty lucky in that we started to really amp amp up our investment pace right after prices reset. Um, And what we saw going on in the world um, was fortunately what has played out was demand for oil and for natural gas continues to grow. And that is um, in spite of the rapid penetration of electric vehicles and all of the renewable efforts. It's just the growing global population and the increase particularly in the uh, emerging markets of the middle class is increasing demand for oil about a million barrels a day. Per year. So, so this is
1: just a demand story. So do you, do you want to own the drillers? Do you want to own the service companies? Where, yes, where's so, the
2: opportunity? So the uniqueness in the United States today is the United States, if we'd been sitting here 10 years ago, was a declining industry. Right. We, yeah. we, we produced about five, five and a half million barrels a day, and it was a declining industry. And today we're eking our way to 10 million barrels a day. Why? Mm. All right, it's technology, it's innovation, and it's figuring out how at 45 and $50 a barrel we can make money. Yeah. we can make a lot of money in this industry um we have a saying around carlisle we always say every deal is a technology deal Every it's, deal." Uh, is and a you technology know what i think deal. you're right and even the the uh somewhat boring energy industry um which we all think of as old wooden derricks with the pipe
6: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See
2: terms and conditions. 18 plus. Going down. And grease and everywhere. Grease everywhere. It's not it's the people, case. It's not the case no. at all. And. It's in fact, today, some of the leaders of the companies that we're investing in today are in this 30-, 40-year-old set where they can choose to go to Google. They can choose to go work in the U.S. oil and gas industry. Wow.
3: Isn't it interesting how many times he said 10 years ago this wasn't happening, 10 years ago this was and now we've got a boom taking place. And it's not just here, it's around the world. Much more still to come on The Morning Briefing, including President Trump addresses the United Nations today. We'll have that and more along with an update on your morning traffic. It is 5.28. It is 5.34. Here are some of the top national and international stories on the morning briefing. President Trump attends the U.N. General Assembly in New York this week, starting today, where he'll meet with some of his his counterparts, and he will address the world body for the first time as president. Fox's John Decker has more from the White House.
6: President Trump will deliver a speech to dozens of world leaders tomorrow, where he'll likely focus on global hotspots like North Korea and Iran. President Trump's national security adviser H.R. McMaster, said today at the U.N., the president will meet with French President Emmanuel Macron and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu.
0: While their conversations will be wide-ranging, we expect that Iran's destabilizing behavior including its violation of the sovereignty of nations across the Middle East, to be a major focus.
6: As a candidate for the White House, the president was highly critical of the U.N., deriding it as a club for people to get together, talk and have a good time. He also proposed deep cuts to its U.S. taxpayer funding. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News.
3: Another hurricane moving toward the Caribbean islands, this one strengthening from a tropical storm Sunday. Daniel Brown is a senior hurricane specialist. He's with the National Hurricane Center. He has the latest on Hurricane Maria.
9: Maria has uh, continued to uh, strengthen today. It is now a hurricane with maximum winds of 75 miles per hour. And it's located about uh, 140 miles east-northeast of Barbados.
3: Since that, we've gotten an update. The maximum winds now 90 miles per hour. Meanwhile, residents returning to the Florida Keys Sunday for the first time since it was hit by Hurricane Irma. Here's Fox's Phil Keating.
0: Tens of millions of dollars have been lost in this touristy town. Debris remains everywhere throughout the Keys, making getting around still a challenge by car and by foot. Returning Keys residents should expect to bring everything they'll need. Food, water, supplies, tarps, tools, and live like camping. It does smell. There's a lot of garbage. That's that's a little tough. And if you smell around the corner here, a lot of seaweed comes up. I'm learning and, and, and it's rotting and it stinks pretty bad. And Key West port remains closed as its harbor still littered with sailboats and sunken vessels. In Key West, Phil Keating, Fox News.
3: We'll see increasing cloudiness today with a slight chance for a thunderstorm in the area, especially the afternoon and evening hours. The high today is 70. Cloudy tonight, a chance for showers with a low of 61 degrees. Uh, We are at 56 degrees now at 537. Governor Walker will sign the Foxconn bill today. The governor travels to Racine for the signing ceremony, officially approving a nearly $3 billion package of incentives to get the electronics giant to open up a plant here in Wisconsin. To get the full benefits, Foxconn must make a $10 billion investment in the state and employ 13,000 people. State Senator Alberta Darling offered a stern message to lawmakers who voted against the Foxconn deal. For
4: as many people who are coming to you and say, don't do it, you're going to hear more people say, why in the heck did you mess this opportunity up for us?
3: Foxconn has said it'll begin sending equipment to Wisconsin as soon as the governor signs that bill into law. Nearly 4,000 people took part in the annual Walk to End Alzheimer's Sunday, the Milwaukee event, one of the largest fundraisers in the nation for Alzheimer's research. Many of those who took part in the walk had a personal experience with Alzheimer's. This man talked about his mother, who died of that
7: disease. She never died because she's in my heart, she's in my soul, she's in my brain, she's in my bones. I am here, I am alive for her. Yeah, the annual walk
3: raised more than $855,000. 538 on the morning briefing. Scott Dolphin
0: in with sports now, brought to you by Roto-Rooter. Good morning, Ken. The Falcons got the best of the Packers in the rematch of the NFC Championship game last night. Falcons opening up their brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Devontae Freeman, 84 yards and two touchdowns on the grounds. Atlanta runs away with a 34-23 victory. Ty Montgomery did have 110 total yards and two touchdowns in the loss for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers threw 50 times. He was roughed up, hit a lot, 33 of 50 for 343, and two touchdowns, one interceptions for the Packers. They fall to one and one on the season. They come home to host the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. The good news for Green Bay is the rest of the division didn't fare so well yesterday. It was Pittsburgh over the Vikings 26-9, to and the Bears lose as well to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 29-7. The Lions play on Monday Night Football tonight. They visit the New York Giants. The Patriots rolled over the Saints in New Orleans 36-20 to yesterday, and in the Mile High City, it was uh, all Denver as the Broncos topped the Dallas Cowboys. College football, the Badgers up two spots to number nine in this latest AP college football poll. Alabama remains number one and Clemson remains number two. Uh, There are four top ten or four Big Ten teams in all in the top ten. To baseball, Domingo Santana's three-run double highlighted an eight-run fourth inning. And the Brewers blast Miami 10-3 series moved here because of Hurricane Irma. Travis Shaw also drove in three runs for the Brewers, who moved within two and a half games of Colorado for the second NFL wildcard spot, or NL wildcard spot. They are still three behind, or four, I should say, behind the Cubs, though. Chicago completes a three-game sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals. Brandon Woodruff gets the win for the Brewers. He's 2-2. Two and two. They open a three-game series in Pittsburgh tonight. Brent Suter will start for the crew. The Buckos will counter with right-hander Jamison Tallion. Astros are AL West champions. Houston wrapped up the division with a 7-1 round of the Mariners. They capture their first division crown since winning the NL Central back in 2001. Martin Truex Jr. is the champion of the Tales of the Turtles 400 at Chicagoland Raceway in NASCAR. He took the checkered flag more than seven seconds ahead of the field to win his second straight at the track. And at the PG in the PGA BMW Championship, Mark Leishman's the winner at 23 under par. From the Big Nine 20 Sports Desk, I'm Scott Dolphin on News Talk 11:30 WISN. It's 5:40.
2: The first info fix for very busy people. This is the WISN Morning Briefing.
3: And your Morning Briefing continues now at 5:45 with more news and comments on that news. We're going to hear a whole lot about tax reform in the coming days, but what form will tax reform take? An answer to that question comes today from the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee.
1: Well, the battle over tax reform is heating up now as the so-called Big Six in the Republican Party remain divided over basic elements of a new plan, including rewriting the tax code and long-promised tax cuts. House Republicans are still promising to release a plan next week. Joining me right now is the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Congressman Kevin Brady. Mr. Chairman, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Maria. Well, we know uh, pretty much the principles. You and I have spoken about tax reform now multiple times. What will we learn next week uh, that we don't already know, sir?
7: Yeah, some pretty important things. One, you'll see um, uh, details about uh, our business and individual rates that we propose going forward on tax reform, uh, a dramatic simplification of how we tax so families can keep more of what they earn and our businesses can compete anywhere in the world and win, especially here at home. Uh, Now, there won't be details on every aspect of the tax code. Obviously, the Ways and Means Committee and Finance Committees will do that, but I think you're going to see some uh, key um, details and clearly uh, unified consensus document about how we move forward on tax reform. Yeah,
1: a a lot of people have been weighing in in terms of what's important to them. Last week I spoke with Senator Ted Cruz who had some ideas both on the individual rate, which he's talking about a flat tax, as well as the corporate side, he's talking about expenses. Love to get your thoughts on those ideas. Here's what Ted Cruz told me just this past week. Listen to this. I started by asking him for a single flat tax. I'm reading through your ideas here. I know you want to simplify in terms of three brackets versus seven, but you're talking about a single flat tax. What would that be?
2: Uh, Look, that would be my preference is just a single flat tax that's fair and uniform for everyone. It's a big standard deduction and then everyone pays the same simple rate because I think there's power in bold simplicity. When businesses invest in plant and equipment and new buildings, right now they depreciate those over a number of years. One of the most pro-growth tax reforms you can do is immediate expensing. What that means is that makes it much easier for a farmer to buy a tractor. If you're a steel worker, it makes it much easier for the company you work for to build a new steel factory. If you're a truck driver, it's much easier to, to buy a new truck. Or a taxi or
7: Uber driver, much easier to buy a new taxi or Uber.
1: So what about that, Mr. Chairman? Are you considering that?
7: So we, we won. We welcome Senator Cruz's ideas. In fact, uh, the postcard-style system that we are working toward, and I think succeeding uh, in achieving that, was one of the key elements he proposed uh, in his presidential race. And, of course, look, expensing, which is the ability to immediately write off those major uh, business investment capital investments, is key to growth. I think driving the rates. uh, You'll see this from the unified um, blueprint coming forward from the President and the Senate as well. We want to drive our business rates, for every size business, as low as we can, and you'll see this. And then we want to drive the incentives for investment up as high as we can, you'll see that as well.
1: So so you do like the idea then of expensing?
7: Well, absolutely. Look, you have two twin towers of growth in the economy. One is driving those rates down for every size business. The other is unleashing investment. Look, we're about a um, 30-year uh, low in business investment. Our productivity as, as Americans the same level we need to unleash that capital in a major way because that really drives productivity in wages in a way the rates don't always, um, aren't always able to achieve. So really, let's uh, drive both of them as strongly as we can.
1: You know, let's talk about individual rates for a moment, Mr. Chairman, because there's been a discrepancy on really what you would determine as rich. I mean, the president has been very clear this past week saying, look, my priority is the middle class. I want to lower individual rates in the middle class as much as possible. But I was looking at the tax foundation data, and the last dollar of the highest earners is $131,000. Do you consider $131,000 among the highest earners and the people that are not going to get a tax cut?
7: Well, I certainly don't, and, and I don't believe anyone does. One, we are unified around a very strong middle class tax cuts. I want to lower the rates at every level so people can keep more of what they earn and we can grow the economy. I just honestly believe Washington takes too much. Of what people earn, and frankly, they also waste too much of what they take uh, while they 've got it, and so I think for us to grow this economy, drive a major um, middle-class tax cut, and really create jobs in a way we've not seen a long way. Uh, let's try to lower those rates, create that growth at every level.
1: So how are you dealing then with the deductions and eliminating of deductions? Last week on the morning program, I had on two uh, two congressmen, one on, on both sides of the aisle, and they could not agree on, number one, eliminating the deduction of state income, eliminating the deduction on mortgages. Uh, they couldn't even agree on a 15% corporate tax rate. So where are you on this debate?
7: So look, uh, we're going to have difference of opinions there, but I think you'll see in the unified... Um, a document between the president and senate republicans and ourselves you're going to see a dramatically simpler tax code for families and businesses the only way to do that in a, in a growth way is just jettison the special interest provisions for some so we can lower rates for everybody and moving toward a postcard style system where, where really nine out of ten americans will be able to use that simple postcard style approach one has tremendous support i think from the american public Um, and I think it's going to grow the economy as well.
1: Yeah, no, I understand the simplicity end of it for sure, and certainly the corporate rate uh, decrease as well. The individual rates now, I I think people have some questions because the president seems to continue to reiterate how he doesn't want any tax cuts for the rich, and in fact, we both know that the highest earners pay the majority of taxes. The Tax Foundation right here is telling me that 10% of all taxpayers, the highest earners, the top 10%, pay 70% of the tax. Isn't that right? So can you really do a tax cut plan and not include the highest earners are you really cutting taxes if you're not cutting taxes
7: on the rich well look i think it's important again that we try to lower rates at every level so people can keep more of what they earn. and it turns out too as we know from the reagan tax cuts which were bipartisan and president kennedy's approach as well when you lower rates for every american including the middle class you drive the economy in a major way that's what we're going for maria as you know growth uh in jobs and paychecks and leapfrog america to the lead pack is the best place on the planet for that next new job and investment we want to achieve those and i think you'll see uh in the uh, uh unified tax reform approach. We're doing exactly that. All
1: right. So you're looking to lower taxes on everybody. So the next question becomes, how did the how do the uh, how do we pay for it? Uh, And of course, that brings you to the question of revenue neutral. Do you need to have this tax plan revenue neutral, which would mean, of course, if you're going to lower taxes, you're going to have to find revenue somewhere else over a 10 year period. What's your take? Or do you not need to be revenue neutral? So
7: Yes, So I want to focus on permanence. I want families and businesses to be able to count on this tax code so they can make the long-term decisions to grow their success and grow the economy as well. The best way to do that is to balance within the budget, And, and there's two ways you do it. One, we will get economic growth from bold transformational tax reform. That's good. But we also have to jettison uh, uh, the special interest provisions, loopholes, uh, exclusions so that we can lower the rates for everybody. That's the work that we continue to do. And at the end of the day, if we make it this permanent or as much of this tax reform is permanent, you'll get the greatest growth. For the greatest years, that's my focus. Yeah,
1: and we're already seeing people anticipate that, and things have already started to turn toward that 3% number in terms of economic growth that, that you're looking at. Give us some yes. kind of a structure that we could actually understand. You're going to come out with more details next week. What does that mean in terms of a bill? When does the bill come down to the floor or and, and, and then get to the president's desk, sir?
7: Yeah. Perfect question. So here's the sequence. the end of next week, Ways and Means Committee members will be coming back, working on the final details of tax reform moving forward. The week is September 25th. The President, Senate Republicans, and the House of Republican tax writers will bring out our unified framework. It will be all the core elements of tax reform. And then we turn to the budget. Uh, That really needs to be completed by mid-October because that gives us the runway, the rules that allow us to land tax reform on. When that budget is complete, the Ways and Means Committee will bring forward and begin action uh, on tax reform.
1: So then we will know whether or not you're going to use reconciliation where you'll need only 51 votes versus 60 votes needing Democrats in.
7: Well, I will tell you what, one. Um, No budget, no tax reform. It's clear that uh, that's clear. And if Republicans don't unite and move this budget so that we can move tax reform, you know, I'm convinced the president will will look elsewhere Mm. for for partners to deliver on this. So Mm. this budget uh, is incredibly important. But using reconciliation, Maria doesn't preclude us from including Democrats in their ideas in tax reform. In fact, you know, their communities are getting hit as hard as Republican communities. They have good ideas on tax reform. So we should continue to engage them in their ideas as we go forward.
1: All right. We'll be watching everything. Mr. Chairman, it's good to talk with you again. Thanks so much.
3: I guess the only question now is, will Republicans be able to pass a tax reform measure? Everyone was certain they'd pass the repeal and replacement of Obamacare, and it didn't happen. So the tax reform question, well, it remains just that, a huge question. It is 5.55 on the WISN Morning Briefing. We are now just
2: minutes away from the Jay Weber Show. Good morning, sir. morning. How are you? All is well, thank you. We have Governor Walker signing the Foxconn bill today. He's going to mm-hmm. join me after 7 to talk mm-hmm.
8: about that. Okay.
2: Uh, the Trump administration has an effort underway to perhaps rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. Is this another sign that he's joining the swamp? Uh-oh.
3: <laughs> so we'll talk about
2: that and of course the green bay lost to, oh, yeah. to atlanta last night it's ugly but we got to talk about a green bay grapevine at eight thirty-five.
3: all right sounds like another great program just minutes away that wraps up this edition of the wisn morning briefing join me again tomorrow for another hour of news
0: and commentary lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office